Follow the Relationship Podcast. The podcast about leadership, potential, and getting out of your own way. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today. Super excited to have you guys along. Um, yeah, and one big shout out to my friends, Evan and Cynthia up in Canada, who have just been nothing but major supporters. Um, Cynthia and I actually met on the trail in Patagonia, my very first trip. So if you remember a number of podcasts back, um, I talk about having to hike alone and not know if I could do it. My very first night, um, we stayed up in Chileno and, um, or Chileano, depending on how you say it. They, uh, and Cynthia was one of the guides. Cynthia and Jay were actually um, guiding another trip for another company. And I met them. And that started this friendship where we would see each other on the trail years and years and years later. Cynthia eventually married Evan, who she also met on the trail. And now she runs an amazing company called um, uh, Peruviana uh, and does like importation of like women's clothing, poncho sweaters, some Peruvian artisan work. It's really brilliant. You should check it out. But um, I want to call it out because they are always encouraging me to put out these podcasts. So big shout out to my friends up in Canada, Evan and Cynthia. Thanks so much for support. Your support. It's been a couple weeks since I put out a podcast episode. Finished a webinar. Please check that out on my YouTube channel if you want. There's going to be 10 more episodes in this series, and then I'll take a longer break. Want to talk to you this week about fear. A couple of years ago, I was flying in to speak at a college or university in, I think, Knox College, maybe, in Illinois. And so I flew into. Four Corners. So it's this little tiny airport. It's basically in the middle of a cornfield. And I was going to have to drive like another f- an hour or so to get to the college as I speak the next morning. And I got my rental car and I'm driving. And so I do this a lot, right? Fly into a city, grab a car, drive to the place. This is a little further out. Um, this college is very famous for hosting a Lincoln, um, Lincoln Douglas debate many years ago, and so, many years ago, more than a century ago, right? Um, and so, but they're kind of in this little town. There's not much else around it. And so, as I'm driving, I kind of get to the part where I basically am driving through nothing but miles and miles and miles of cornfields. Now it's a highway, so it's not like it's you know. It's like a two-lane road. It's highway. And so as we're going, though, like most places in the Midwest in the summertime, summertime is when you get all the road construction done. So we always like to joke here in Minnesota that there's only two seasons. There's winter, and then there's road construction. In fact, the one by my house is like three years into its project. So here's the deal. I'm driving along, and I kind of like the drive. I like that space to be able to think before the event. And as I'm driving down, I can't remember for the life of me what the highway was. Um, might have been 35 or something, driving down um, south. Um, I noticed that there's cones. There's clearly one lane about to be closed, and so it must be construction. And there was a large stretch of said road construction ahead. And so these two lanes of traffic are slowly funneling into one. And so there's one lane, and we're all kind of getting slower and slower. No big deal. As you kind of go, though, it's kind of stop and go, and we slow down, and we slow down some more, and then it's just barely crawling, which you expect, right? Road construction. I suddenly realized, way down the road, I can see people. Um, I figure it's the construction guys, uh, or guys and girls or whatever, down the way. But as um, I get closer... It's just one man, and he's kind of flagging cars by. So I'm assuming the reason why we're so slow is there must have been an accident of some kind. 
And so as we approach, I can see him, and he's like with both arms, like just flagging cars. At first, I thought he was trying to flag them over, but now he was kind of just flagging them past. And he's probably I, he's probably about seven to ten cars ahead of me, and he's flagging these cars, and and he's walking towards me. But as he gets closer, I realize, you know, he's not just he's not flagging over. He's saying go faster. And he's trying to get these cars to go faster and faster. Well, as they go by him, of course, they're pretty they slow, and then they speed up and go around. Well, he starts waving at me as we get closer. He's about a car to a head. On, he's in the shoulder of on, on the passenger side as I'm driving south. And he keeps coming up, and all of a sudden, with both hands, he's waving, and now he's shouting at the cars. But I can't tell what he's saying. I don't know what this is about. And he's about a car length ahead, and all of a sudden I remember he's like going, come on, come on, and he waves both hands, and so I'm starting to speed up. I bet I'm going 25 miles an hour or so. All of a sudden, he waves both hands, kind of makes eye contact with me, and throws himself onto the hood of my car. Hitting on the, on the passenger side, kind of right where the windshield meets the engine, shattering the mirror, cracking the windshield in the front, scratching the fender, rolling up over the top, and rolling over my car. I pulled over. Obviously, I'm, like, stunned. I pulled over, and I was like, wait, what just happened? And you know how the world kind of slows down? You're in slow motion. Everything got slow. And I pulled into the shoulder, and the guy got up, kind of shook himself off, and ran across the road. Now, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what the hell just happened? Like, what exactly is going on? And I'm freaked out. As you can imagine, your adrenaline is just going crazy, and your heart is racing. So anyway, I gather myself, and I pull over, and I stop and I get out of my car and people are kind of freaked out around me. One guy pulled over and stopped, but there's a whole line of traffic. It's massive amounts of traffic. And as I look, the guy who's just thrown himself literally into my car has now got up and is running through the median to the northbound lane. And as I look in the northbound lane, down south, a little further south of where I was, there's like a minivan. And I look, and I can vaguely make out two police officers. Turns out, this guy was was a convict or someone who had been arrested, and he was being he'd been held in the jail in the local county jail and needed to be transported to a prison, and they had gone to pick him up in a transportation minivan. While in the minivan, he'd kicked out the back window, jumped out of the minivan while it was moving, and had crossed over and was roaming up the freeway in traffic, yelling at cars, trying to get killed. But the cars, but the way it had worked out is we hadn't seen who he was. And so as we pulled up, he intentionally threw himself into my vehicle, hoping I would kill him. He rolled up over the top, rolled into the road, and the cops are literally standing there watching him because they couldn't figure out he get in traffic, obviously, or whatever. I just remember standing there and waiting while the sheriff came. And it took, I mean, I don't know, it took probably an hour, an hour and a half. And while I'm standing there talking to the cop, the end of the story for this guy is they end up catching him and they put him in an ambulance because 
he's obviously rolled up over my vehicle. And they said, the cop said, they got him in the ambulance. They got him a mile down the road, and he was biting and spitting so bad that they literally had to put him in a Hannibal Lecter mask. I was just standing there going, I can't really believe this. Filled out the police report, the whole thing, and obviously I was not at fault because the guy tossed himself into my car. But I got to tell you, there are times that still to this day, if I see people on the side of the road, if I see, especially highways, if I see construction workers, I just feel this instant fear. And I react. Think about that when it comes to being fear, fearful. I was reading a neuroscience journal this week, and it says that humans, actually around all sentient animals, right? If you're an animal and you're alive, so maybe not amoeba, but you know mammals at least, they all share a neurological factor. It's called startle. That every animal, when surprised, has a startle response. Now, startle is often followed by freeze. So somebody, something scares you, and you lock up, and then you kind of freeze. The phrase deer in headlights, right, comes to mind. That's a startle and freeze. Humans are the only ones with the ability to startle and then not freeze if they realize what's going on and then move past it. The rest are less, are, they have to recondition themselves. In those next moments, most animals will freeze. This is a neuroscience journal I was reading on, on um, cognitive therapy. And I was thinking about this. You have no choice but to get startled in your life. But you can choose to not freeze. You can choose to not react. So I was thinking about things that we're afraid of. How much of our response to these moments of fear are just leftover freeze responses from when we were little kids? You know, because again, it only happened one time. Have you ever had somebody throw themselves into your car? No, I never had either, but it didn't matter. That one time took quite a long time <laughs> for me to not be afraid of people inside of the road. Thinking, what are they going to do? I'm like, be ready, be ready, be ready. Be just kind of amped up. I think, you know, and if honestly, if that happened more often, I probably would still be afraid of it. Some of us in the first 25 years of our lives had moments of startle and freeze over and over again. People caused us pain, we were shocked by it, and we just froze and just took it and held on and then tried to escape and evade. Or we reacted for survival. Startle and freeze, startle and freeze. And then you move out of your parents' house. Then you get out of that bad relationship. Then you quit that crappy job. Then you move on, but you don't realize you're still just doing startle and freeze. You're letting the world catch you off guard sometimes, and you're behaving as if you're in the old situation because the old threat feels real. It took me coaching myself and realizing, oh, Mike, you're being scared of you're being scared of people on the road because of this guy. Is everyone is that what are the chances they're going to do this again? Well, they're very very small. It's a much greater chance that they're going to be okay. That they're not going to like try to kill themselves on your car. But most of us won't get to that cognitive point because we go to our most reptilian brain, as they say, the animal instinct. When something startles us, we just freeze. And then we default to our patterns. 
What in your life are you still functioning like you have no option but to freeze? What are you getting caught off guard for? Or can you look back at your story and say, you know what? If I look, these are five, again, we're being metaphorical here. These are three to five moments in my life that startled me so bad that anytime it happens again, I freeze. Anytime I get close to a person and they say this, I stop communicating and I shut down. Anytime a boss says this, I say, you're right. Instead of saying, well, here's what I think. Anytime I get really confident and think good things are going to happen and something bad happens because my parents divorced when this happened. If you can look at the moments and recognize what were my startle triggers, you can stop freezing. Because if you actually break it down, you're not in that same situation anymore. And something that you should have been startled about as a child is not something you need to be startled about as an adult. But the really scary part is when the people in our lives don't understand why we're startled and why we're freezing. They don't get it. And so in that moment, somebody says something and you don't react to them, you react to the person three persons before. This thing happens with a client and you don't react to them, you react to something three, that's like a muscle memory from five years before. You can get into default patterns. We, um, there's a great, great organization called the Arbinger Institute and in one of their terrific books called Anatomy of Peace, they talk about getting stuck in the box, getting stuck in the way you see yourself and the way you see the world. And you almost like you get stuck in a posture, like an old person bent over. You can get stuck in a posture of, I'm a deer who's constantly startled and I'm ready to freeze or run. Now realizing that you don't have to actually be that anymore. You don't need to worry about that. And the best way to get out of that is to start looking at the patterns of startle and freeze in your life and say, are those patterns that I can break? Do I have new experiences that can overcome that terrifying moment? Because I got to tell you, that day, um, it makes for a great story now, but I just remember thinking, what is happening here? You know, and just being afraid. You know how the adrenaline just kind of overwhelms you like a wave? You're not being rational. You're not thinking. You're just reacting. And for probably a year, without the feeling of, of that emotion, I would still behave the same way. I would get very cautious. I would get very nervous. I could feel my, my heart rate for a situation that was long over. What are the startle and freeze moments in your life that you think shape how you respond to the people in your life? I, I watch bosses work out their startling fear moments with their staff. They react and they say things. Why? Not about that moment, but about some moment that happened to them three years before. Fight to reclaim these moments of confidence of, you know what? Everyone gets startled. It's okay. But what you don't have to do is freeze. You don't have to run. You can instead choose and say, oh, well, I don't need to be scared. This isn't, a, this isn't an attacker. This is my kid coming around the corner. This person, this is, my, this is my husband, my wife, my partner, my client saying this. This isn't them trying to take me down. Start by mapping out your startle and freeze moments and then talk about them. Have a conversation. Tell that person in your life the story. Did you know that retelling a story of startle and freeze moments 
actually is what brings down the stress. PTSD, which I can talk about at another episode, they talk about the talking in the details objectively takes down the stress and the residual stuck emotions in your brain. You have no choice. All animals get startled. But you don't have to freeze or run. You can choose your response. What will you choose? If you need somebody to talk to, if you're ready maybe to stop reacting to those moments, I want you to shoot me an email. Michael at michaeldolphin.com. Book a 30-minute call with me and we will talk about ways to take your life to a different level. If you have questions or comments I'd love to hear from you, please shoot me an email, michael at michaeldolphin.com or hit me up, social media, anywhere. I love having you guys with me today. Thanks so much for being here. Remember, follow the relationship. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Follow the Relationship Podcast. For more resources and information, please check out my website at www.michaeldoffney.com. For free resources, you can check out my blog as well as my YouTube page and reach me through any social media channel, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter.